doors today. Were you ready to worship? Were you excited about coming together? Were you carrying cares of this world in your heart? Were you carrying guilt or shame or, or fear for those who are far away in places that are dangerous? Are you carrying the weight of illness, sickness that has threatened your very life? What is your state of being today? Where are you? Are you filled with joy or are you feel, filled with sorrow? Have you experienced deep losses? Where is your state of being today? It's a question that I'm bringing forth to those of us who are seeking after something more. Because really at the heart of my question is, are you in a state of being a human doing? Or a state of being a human being? You know, that's really the fundamental question. And today I want to look at a secret that Jesus revealed. Jesus came into the world at a time when, when the Jewish believers, particularly the leaders, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, had, had fallen into a state of being human doings. They were little separated from pagans because they believed that what they did would please God and God would bless them because of what they did. And so they were hyper-focused on doing. They had many different uh, subtle divisions of the law in terms of, um, well, for instance, a Sabbath law, you could not carry a handkerchief in your, in your pocket because it would be carrying a burden. But if you pinned it to, your, to the outside of your garment, then it was part of your apparel. They had all of these different laws that, that ultimately separated people from the love of God and brought them into a dead form of paganism which was based solely on doing and performance. It was so subtle and so deep in their experience that... Even the disciples of Jesus said, Lord, why is that man blind? Was it his sin or his parents' sin? They believed that if someone was rich and prosperous and influential and had leadership positions, that God blessed them because they were doing good. And they believed that anyone who was born into a low state of being into the lower classes or had disease were being cursed by God because they did something deserving of it. And I have to say that, that we oftentimes get things backward in our Christian experience thinking that by doing good, God will be pleased and bless me. So I want to go back nearly 2,000 years ago. In an upper room, Jesus was with His disciples. He was with his disciples in the upper room celebrating the last Passover that he would have with his disciples, with his followers. It was remembering the time in Egypt 
when the death angel passed over the firstborn and they were freed. And the illusion was that they were freed from slavery. And Jesus, in, that, in those precious moments with His disciples, there was an argument that broke out among them who would be the greatest in the kingdom. They were in a different place than Jesus was. And so when they left the Passover feast, Judas had left to betray Him. Peter was warned that he would deny Him. They crossed through the streets of Jerusalem down into the Kidron Valley and started up the Mount of Olives to the ultimate destination of the Garden of Gethsemane. But along the way, Jesus came to a place where there was a vineyard. You see, the grapes were sweetest when they grew on the slope of a hill because of the sun and the right moisture and everything was in perfect condition. Now you can imagine that Jesus being with His disciples in these last precious moments would want to give them such a teaching, something so key and fundamental, so important, that it would change and radicalize their lives. He saved this time to give them the most important message in a little vineyard on His way up to Gethsemane. And many of you know this passage. In John chapter 15, Jesus shares with them, I am the true grapevine. Well, I want to stop there because here's the point. If there is a true grapevine, there must be imposter grapevines. There must be other places that you can get involved in that look like they have the right thing, but it leads to death. Jesus said, I am the true grapevine. And one of the things that you'll see in the book of John, there's a theme, I am statements by Jesus. And of course, that goes all the way back to Moses in the burning bush. I am. Tell them, I am sent you. And so Jesus gives another I am statement. I am the true grapevine. Talking about his divinity in the midst of this humanity. And he says, and my father is the gardener. And so Jesus begins to introduce this secret this important message, this critical message to the welfare and the life of His followers. And it is a timeless message. It wasn't only for His disciples, the, the eleven that surrounded Him at that moment. It is for all people, all time. This is a key and critical message. Do not miss the lesson that is in this. He says in Verse 4, remain in me. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Do not miss the intimacy that is engaged here. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Remain in me, and I will remain in you, and you will produce fruit. So for our, for our first 
table um, talk, table discussion, I have a question, and what I want you to do is talk around the table and share your impression of the answer for this. And it is, a little help, friends. There it is. Um, what is the secret Jesus is sharing that will produce good fruit? Simple question. Big answer. Go take about five minutes to, uh, to share around the table what is the secret Jesus is sharing that will produce good fruit. In a moment, I'm going to have, um, have a couple of volunteers come forward with microphones. And uh, we're going to give uh, an opportunity for a few people to share um, some of the fruit that came out of your discussion, so to speak. All right. So uh, the question again is, what is the secret Jesus is sharing that will produce good fruit? If... Um, if you want to be a spokesman for your table and share something, raise your hand. And we've got these two wonderful volunteers. Somebody all the way in the back there. Angela. And if somebody else is going to share, raise your hand and uh, Tyler will get over to you. Right, Tyler. Yes, um, I think what... Um I get from this is that if you stay with Jesus, simple, if you stay with Jesus, you will be fruitful. Not fruitful only in, um, in the things that you think, but you'll be faithful in your pocketbook. Mm. You'll be faithful. You'll be faithful and bearing fruits, as I want to say. You'll be bearing fruit for Jesus by telling somebody at your job. Simple. You don't have to open the Bible. You know what? Jesus loves you. By encouraging somebody, we have just been through a storm, a hurricane. By just encouraging somebody, telling them about the love of Jesus. Okay. Amen. Thank you, Angela. Yes, to stay with Jesus. Okay, we have another comment over here. And by doing a lot of stuff that's good. Okay. So the Bible, did I hear right? Okay. Anyone else? We have a hand back here. You'll be next. I think the secret Jesus is sharing is the Holy Spirit, because when we spend time with searching for Jesus, he fills with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will make us produce good fruits. Oh. So I believe it's the Holy Spirit. Okay. Very good. And final one here. At our table, we were looking that the secret that God is sharing with you, well, based on the scripture that you mentioned, is he is the foundation on which you build. So mm -hmm. just as how a tree can't grow or develop if that root or that foundation that you have isn't strong enough or grounded enough, it's the same thing. If we're not grounded with him, if we're not connected with him through the vine, through the branches, you can't blossom. The plant won't blossom. It won't grow. It won't produce fruit if you don't find that connection to him. And another sister mentioned as well about love. 
And if mm. God is love, he is that base or foundation, which is love for you to grow and develop. And that will, of course, bear fruit or extend your branches to everyone around you. Very good. Okay. You know what? I think, I think the, uh, the discussion here has been right on. Jesus is talking about remaining in him. And actually, through this whole section, Jesus says, remain in me or remain in my love 10 times. So 10 times he reminds his followers to remain in him. And again, Jesus says in verse 5, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit. So those who remain in him, and the, the verb is meno, it means um, remain or abide or basically dwell with me. Um, and he says it will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. You remember, he is the true vine. There are many, many voices out there calling for us to get connected with them because they can solve all of our problems. And I dare say all of us have at one time or another gotten ourselves connected with a lie that was supposed to be the truth and the result is that it was killing us. Only Jesus is the source of life eternal. So here's the next question. How do you remain in Jesus? How do you as an individual, how do you as a group remain in Jesus? All right. Do we have somebody that would like to share? Somebody we haven't heard from. All right, in the back here. And is there another one that we want to get ready if you've... Right here? Okay. All right, good morning, church. Um, this question is quite critical because how do you remain in God and Jesus? Is, you have to include God throughout your day-to-day -day activities, right? Every time we come to church, we sometimes may not be focused through God. We would just be here. But we have to actually have God within us. We have to show love to others and remain critical with God because sometimes we may lose focus with God. We all do sometimes, but we have to bring back and go back to that beginning where we found love. I remember when I was young, I used to have the love for God. As we go through our teen years, we, turn, we tend to forget, but we come back to God all the time when something bad happens. And that's the, that's the critical thing is don't only come back to God when something bad happens. Amen. Remain with God through every day. If you wake up, you got to pray. If you go to school, pray. If you eat, pray, because that shows mm. that you care. And that's just one thing I picked from this question. All right. Thank you, my brother. Okay. I'm going to share on behalf of Donna, because she doesn't like public speaking. Um, but she shared with us a powerful story that I think fits right in here. And she um, works with patients on a daily basis. And a lot of her patients are suicide or attempted suicide victims. And she said how she remains in Jesus is sharing about Jesus's love. Mm. And by sharing with these patients that are at the pit of despair, that are looking that the only option that they have is to end their life, by sharing the love of Jesus with them, they find hope and peace mm. and belonging longing and meaning and through that sharing she can remain close to Jesus very good thank you for sharing that okay anyone else how do you remain in Jesus over here 
Hey, just to kind of piggyback off what you said, uh, I think it, it goes down to creating habits, um, mm. being mindful throughout the day um, that the world is always going to want you to do what the world wants, but we mm. need to seek the kingdom of God first. Um, I think that starting the day off with prayer helps, but not putting it to the wayside as your day goes along. I think taking in God's word on a daily basis is going to help you understand his character and therefore put you in a position to rely more on him because you'll know of his character. Okay. Very good. I'm hearing a lot of good things. One more, one more person to share. We've got another table. Anyone else? Okay, right here. Hello, everyone. I think another way that you can remain in Jesus is allowing yourself to see God in everything. Because sometimes, um, as mentioned earlier, we go through despair. Sometimes we'll, you know, call upon God, but sometimes we can't see his hands mm -hmm. in the despair. And maybe at that moment, he is shielding you for something or he's building you for something. So learning to just... Find him in everything, you know. Mm. This didn't work out, but it's okay. I know God has my back, okay. and he's either preparing me for something better or pulling me from something detrimental to me. So I think that'll help us to remain in him. Okay. I'm hearing some really good things. Thank you. Um, you, you guys are relieved. You can just go back to being relaxed now. But the... The, the th couple of things that I've heard is keep coming back to Jesus. You know, life, life can get in the way. You keep coming back. You get caught up in despair. You come to that place where you come back to Jesus. I heard uh, around the room praying, connecting with him, studying in his word, worshiping with others. There are many different ways to remain in Jesus. But there is a, uh, we're going to leave, leave the Mount of Olives behind just for a minute and look at a theme that is throughout Scripture. I'm only going to share a couple, a couple passages, but this is one of those themes where you see it repeated again and again in the, in the Bible. And here is one from the Apostle Paul who came to know Jesus. He was serving God like he was serving the devil. And he came to know Jesus on the road to Damascus. His eyes were blinded so that his heart could see, and he came to abide in Jesus. And his life was radically transformed. He became, he became a, a follower of Jesus and went through incredible things because he loved Jesus so much and believed in him. And, um, well... I got to I got to share this this wasn't planned but I used to travel with salesmen in my previous life when I had a real job and um the salesman would talk to me and I I would be developing a niche product for uh different customers that didn't exist to do a certain operation or improve on a product and the, and the salesman said to me do you know what makes a motivated salesman I said no what he says a salesman that's motivated knows that his product works. 
when he knows that his product works, he knows he doesn't have to sell anyone. The product sells itself. And when you come to know Jesus, when you come to understand him and he is active in your life, you become a motivated salesperson because you have someone you know works in your life and will work in other people's lives. So here, the Apostle Paul shares this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, And I am certain that, now this isn't I think, this is I am certain. This is time tested in him. He knows that this is true. He says, I am certain that God who began a good work. Oh, who began the good work? God began the good work. That God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. Who is responsible for the good work in you? God, who is going to complete the good work in you? God will. And it will be at the time of Jesus' return that the whole finishing operation will take place when this body is transformed in the blink of an eye. It is God who began a good work in us, and God will see it to completion. And literally, God, who is the Creator, is recreating us. And I appreciate that because as I started talking about getting things backwards, focused on being a fruit producer without abiding in the vine, without being connected with Jesus, we are going to produce bitter fruit or no fruit at all. God began a good work in you because He loves you. He loves me. And he began that good work and he will see it to completion. So you can see that it's important to abide in Christ, to take time to get to know him, to spend time getting to understand more about the mysteries of God's divinity and his work within you. Here's another one. Again, Don't copy Paul writing again in Romans chapter 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let, who's doing this again? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And I'm going to stop right there. You know, uh, there are many of us who have had stinking thinking in our lives. Right? Stinking thinking and bad results. But if God changes the way you think, literally is rewiring your brain, if He is transforming the way you think, you will begin to act in a new way. You see, the fruit comes from changing the way we think. Because of Jesus dwelling in us and us in Him, we begin to be transformed. It's a supernatural process. You cannot change yourself, not fundamentally. You can change a behavior or a bad habit for, for a, a little bit of time, but it pops up somewhere else. It's like that, that game of whack-a-mole. You knock it down one place, it pops up another. You just keep trying to knock those, those bad behaviors, those sins, those addictions, knock them down. But it is until 
the fundamental change begins to take hold in us that God has begun, that we are fundamentally transformed. Do you get it? So remaining in Jesus is giving ourselves exposure to supernatural power that is fundamentally transforming us, changing the way you think. Now listen, listen to this. Then, this is a result, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Do you understand that when God is transforming our minds, we are doing His will because it just has become who we are. Talk about a state of being. It has become who we are. And when Jesus gives the parable of the sheep and the goats, Lord, when did we see you in prison and visit you? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When, when did we see you hungry and feed you? And he said, I, I tell you the truth. In the, as, as you have done it unto the least of these, one of my brothers, you've done it for me. They didn't even know that they were doing you know, serving Jesus because it became who they are. Can you see how important it is to spend time with Jesus? In Revelation chapter 12, verse 17, we read this verse, a prophecy. It's the great controversy chapter right in the center of Revelation. And it says, And the dragon was angry at the woman, that's the church, and declared war against the rest of her children, who all, all who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus. Now, at first blush, I'm seeing, Oh, then I better keep God's commandments. Well, it's true, but what perspective do we take in keeping God's commandments? Because you remember the children of Israel when they were at Mount Sinai and Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments and the tablets of stone written by God's own finger and he reads them the Ten Commandments and what did the children of Israel say? All these things we will do. How did they do? Everything that followed after the giving of the Ten Commandments was the sanctuary service that pointed forward to the mercy of the blood of the Lamb that covers the sins of the world, that transforms us from the inside out. But they said, all these things we will do. You see, when you get focused on the fruit, instead of abiding, you become, well, as... Uh, as one of, one of my heroes of the faith in the past, say, he, said, he used to say, they become lemon-sucking Pharisees. Don't be a lemon-sucking Pharisee. Focus on abiding in Christ, in His love, in His power to transform you, and you will keep His commandments. And now I want to go back on the mountainside and share one more thing that Jesus said. Right at the end of the passage, verses 9 and 10, he says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Remain in my love. And I want to say something. There's more besides this. But he says, remain in my love. And 
the closest understanding I, I get with, with my relationship with God. Because where I started out, I couldn't even say the name Jesus when, when my faith life was in infancy. There is enmity between us and God. We are, we're afraid of Him. We fear what He's going to ask us to do. We fear what He's going to do to us. As one member of a congregation that I was in said, you know, I wish I had a smite button. We're all worried that God is going to hit His smite button because He's angry with us. When I first met Cheryl, I was infatuated. I called her the girl of miracles. When we got married, I was still infatuated. But the, the seeds of love were planted in my heart. Over time, going through the difficult times, the scary times, the totally blue at times, all of the things that come along in the relationship of marriage, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I have come to have a deeper trust and love for Cheryl than any other person on this planet. She is my safe place. She is the place where I can be ugly sometimes and know that she loves me. She is that person for me that is the closest understanding that I can have of what a relationship with God is all about. You see, as I abide in Jesus, I come to know him more and more intimately no matter what I am going through, no matter what is happening in my life, I have gained a deeper and deeper trust in Jesus, in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working in me and through me to make me who I am today. And what I am today is not yet what I will be tomorrow because God began a good work in me and will see it to completion. But we started out talking about the commandments. Look at this in verse 10. This is the end of his talk about remain in me. He says, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Well, let's turn this on its head because the sentence structure can be flipped. He says, if he says, if you remain in my love, you obey my commandments. Because the Scripture shows that we are transformed to do His will when we remain in His love, the supernatural power of a God who came into the world to be Emmanuel, God with us, because He called us precious, came into a sin-polluted world, a world that rejected Him, reviled Him, nailed Him to a cross naked, whipped Him, mocked Him, because He said, you are precious to me. I love you with a love that is stronger than death. I want to recreate you into the image that I intended for you to be from the foundations of the world. You see, because no matter how we were conceived in our mother's womb, we were conceived in the heart and mind of God before we were ever physically conceived. That means that everyone has been born of love. 
When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. You remain in my love when you obey the commandments. So the secret revealed. The secret revealed is that everything depends on us spending time with Jesus, coming back to Jesus, returning to Jesus, because He is faithful. So the struggle is, if there is an enemy in this world, do you believe that there's an enemy in this world? What do you suppose he's going to make the most important point of his attack? What do you think he wants to disrupt more than anything else? Remaining in Jesus. And you know what? We're in a world where technology has given us the ability to be busier than any other time in history. We can be more places. We can do more things. We can be distracted by all the shiny objects that are out there. We can be so busy that what is the first to fall away? Our time with Jesus. The morning devotion, ending the day with Jesus. In the middle of the day with Jesus. Sending up dark prayers. Praising God when you see something beautiful happening. Spending time with Jesus. Praying to Jesus. Spending time in Bible study in your devotional time. And I dare say, in all of our life's experience, the the Bible teaching time, the adult Bible teaching time that takes place in the fellowship hall is the finest time we have ever experienced in studying the Word of Jesus as very intelligent, well-experienced people share their experiences. And it only has maybe 10 to 12 people in it. And parents... You can be in that Sabbath school so that your children can be in the classes that our dedicated, loving teachers have prepared week after week to teach your children about Jesus so that they can learn to abide in His love from the young times. There's an acronym. It's called BUSY. BUSY is really in full force in our culture and time today. And an acronym means that it stands for something. Being under Satan's yoke. Busy. We are busy people. Being under Satan's yoke and letting it disrupt our life-giving time in abiding with Jesus. If you recognize the call from the side of that mountain as Jesus talked about the vine and the branches, if you want to make a recommitment to make this a purpose in your life to spend more time with Jesus through all the things we've discussed, I want you to stand with me. Stand with me to spend as you're able. Raise your hand. You can do that. Stand with me that Jesus is the one who you want to spend more time with. And let me pray with you. Father God, all you want is to spend time with your kids. 
All you want is to lead us into a more fulfilled and whole life. Lord, we live in a busy world that crowds out the most important things. Spending time with you, sharing you, praying to you, studying your word, getting to know you in group discussions, spending time reaching out to others and sharing and pouring out what you have poured into us, the love that is you. Lord, we thank you that you are quick to forgive when we confess that we have let busyness get in the way of our relationship with you. We give our hearts to you afresh and thank you for what you are going to continue to do in our lives as individuals and in this body of believers. Because, Lord, I, I believe with all my heart you have positioned this church and assembled the people to make this a bright light shining on a hill for those who are desperately looking for authenticity, for meaning, and for a safe place to come to grow with Jesus. We pray in the powerful name of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and all the people said, Amen. Amen.